Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. It is July 19th, 2020. It is just about uh, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm recording at this time uh, because uh, today's episode is about uh, parenting. Um, now, I can only speak from my perspective. I have uh, one kid. Uh, and he has two parents. My wife's in medical school. Uh, I'm working uh, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Um, medical school is not uh, your typical, uh, you know, <laughs> I had 15 hours of class when I went to, when I went to school, uh, probably like three hours a day, Monday to Friday, if that, maybe, some, maybe one full day or something like that and, and another day off. Um, medical school is actually going to work in a hospital at this point in uh, in uh, her uh, the stage of the of the schooling. Um, so it's uh, you're working on hospital schedule. So um, currently, right now, um, she is uh, on uh, day three of, uh, of working day shift. Um, but that just happened to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday this time around, just because they have to schedule people and hospitals don't close on the weekends. So, on Sunday morning, normally I would uh, have free reign to record a couple of podcasts without interruption, uh, but that's not uh, how it's working today. And that's just one example of, of uh, what happens when there's uh, kids uh, involved. Because I, I can't do something uh, uninterrupted uh, when Henry is awake. Um, I can try. <laughs> and if his parents listening, they know what I mean. You can try to do things with a baby, and you will very likely get things done. There will be times when you can get a lot done. And for example, yesterday, he slept for three hours, which normally he does not do. Even at daycare, we're getting the reports now um, where he maybe he'll sleep for two hours, which is wow, you know, with a bunch of other kids there. Um, and you know, it's not like they go quiet. Um, the whole time or anything. So, yeah. But w did I plan to do anything during those three hours? No, because he could wake up at any time. Uh, so he's sleeping right now. Uh, normally, he doesn't wake up until six at the earliest. Um, hopefully, closer to six thirty. We're we we like seven. Seven's always better. But the the point is, with kids, you don't know, and also. Uh, kids change all the time. So like I said, I can only speak from my perspective. I don't want to speak for people with uh, uh, two kids, older kids, three kids, four kids, uh, people who are single, single parents. Um, I, I'm not going to even uh, uh, imagine that I know what that's like. Um, but I'll tell you what my uh, experience is. And like I said, my experience is you can't plan for anything anymore. That's probably the biggest difference, right? You can't say... Okay, let's meet um, at you know eleven, and it's definitely going to be uninterrupted time uh, for an hour. We're trying that later today, though. Um, we're going to do the Dear Ruby podcast. Um, we have a special guest as well, who is a parent, so it's very appropriate. Uh, we're going to uh, meet at eleven thirty, and hope that everybody's napping. But the whole experience of recording it with the kids. Uh, in the picture and having responsibilities is that at any moment during the recording, even in this one, uh, I could have to go and get the kid. Uh, 
Now, of course, if he just starts crying a little bit, I'm going to watch it and to see, make sure he's okay. And most of the time, if, if it's five like or less than 10 minutes, uh, he's just having a, a thing and then he goes back down to bed, right? There's nothing really wrong. This is what babies do, right? So currently Hen Henry is almost 18 months old. Um, and uh, he is uh, a really good sleeper. So we're very lucky that way. But sometimes he gets up a little earlier um, but he, he doesn't wake us up in the middle of the night, so we're very lucky that way. Um, so what's changed in terms of uh, podcasting is I used to I used to drive and meet people at their house. I used to uh, just be able to podcast whenever I want, take time editing. I, I'm in in essence, I used to be able to do whatever I wanted, <laughs> especially in my free time. Uh, but my free time is not my time anymore. It's, uh, you know, we made this decision to, to bring a child into the world, and he's amazing. He's awesome. But the thing that you have to realize, and the major thing, is that you don't have the ability to do things freely anymore. It's not the way that it works, unless one parent fully takes on uh, the responsibility. And so I'm going to talk about how it's been working in, uh, in COVID. So, you know, pre-COVID... Uh, here, here's what happened, right? Uh, Henry was born in uh, February of 2019, and I just um, happened to be off of work. It wasn't, you know, it's like I got, I uh, quit my job because we were having a baby. I quit my job to explore other things, and because I had uh, some money and I could afford it, and there's a lot of privilege there, but, um, you know, acknowledging privilege while also acknowledging that I went through a uh, consumer proposal and insolvency, in order to uh, take care of, uh, of my gambling debt and my gambling addiction, um, again, that is a privilege too. I tell people this every day uh, that in Canada, the ability to file an uh, insolvency and do it in such an automatic way uh, is not something that exists everywhere in every country. So, you know, I did that. I, I, I was able to uh, save up a lot of money over 10 years. And some of it I was able to use to live on. And so when I decided, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling it at this job. Uh, I want to figure out, I want to try something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not this. I think that's uh, the title of a book, actually. Um, I don't know uh, what I want to do, but it's not this. <laughs> I should probably look for that and post that in the show notes. But I was able to actually take time um, and I made a little bit of money on the side, so I didn't have to use all of the money that I saved. And then in the meantime, um, Kayla uh, uh, was pregnant, and so we had our first baby, and she had to take a break from medical school as well. So we were in a situation where it, neither one of us had a steady income, um, and we're having a baby. So this is just you know to show you that it's really hard to plan having a baby, um, it would have been great, uh, let's do it when you can take maternity leave and get uh, maternity EI benefits, and when I also would have a job, uh, but neither one of us had the ability to get paid. Um, so we just uh, basically continued to live off of uh, uh, the savings that I, that I built up, but also in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, at some point, I'm going to figure out what it is I want to do, and I looked into being an insolvency counselor uh, under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. I talked to Doug Hoyes about it, and uh, we, we figured something out, right? Uh, he's like, well, you got to take the courses, and you got to do all this stuff. Uh, I'm going to post a link to the uh, podcast on his show, the episode, 
um, that where we talk about this a whole whole thing that I went through. Um, so that was in March, uh, just before the pandemic. That was uh, <laughs> that was aired that one. Um, but I decided to do that. And in the meantime, uh, Kayla was off uh, of school, so she was able to take most of the responsibility um, of the primary responsibility of the baby. But inside a very flexible schedule, we were able to do a lot of co-parenting so she didn't go crazy. And I also got to learn how to be um, a parent and, and uh, what it's like uh, to have a baby. And then when she went back uh, to school in October, I took over. I was I sort of felt ready. I uh, not really, but you know we did some trials where I did uh, have the baby by myself here and there. But uh, in October, she went back full on into uh, surgery um, at, at the hospital, which it was twelve hour shifts and some twenty four hour rotations, uh, things like that. So. Um, you know, I would actually take the baby to the hospital uh, for either uh, uh, yeah, for breastfeeding or for um, to just visit uh, her <laughs> so that he wouldn't forget her. <laughs> All right. Sometimes. Um, so that that was October through December. I was basically I mean, for all intents and purposes, a single dad at times, um, you know, even though she would uh, be home, she would not have a lot of time and sometimes she would be home after he would go to bed so we had to operate as if um uh, you know i couldn't rely on her to do anything uh, except for the only thing that she could do at the time uh, or she had to do sorry is uh is uh, breastfeed or, or pump uh so that he could uh, continue to uh, drink uh, breast milk um but um you know otherwise i had to figure out how to do everything else myself so that was an interesting experience for me uh to figure that all out um, and then uh, by January, we got full-time daycare, and we got that because we applied uh, in August. Uh, <laughs> so uh, just heads up, uh, parents, everything they say about applying early, like apply even earlier. Uh, as uh, I'm going to uh, also reference uh, the most recent Debt Free and 30 podcast episode, uh, uh, which is uh, with Julie Wildman, who's a, a licensed solvency trustee in our firm. And she uh, has a couple of kids, and she's been off. So she talks about uh, maternity uh, benefits and what it's the cost of having a kid and what that's like. And uh, the term that she used, which I like, was uh, as soon as the stick turns pink, you got to start making uh, um, plans, financial plans or whatever it is, right? Um, so what happened was um we got that daycare and i started i had been training at hoys in september and then uh, doug was uh, uh good enough to uh, write up a contract that said hey um you know we know we're kind of in the power of the daycare system so i'm not i, I can't force you to start you know in october because obviously i'm i'm a stay-at-home dad for for that time so it was like whenever daycare comes, and we thought it'd be November first. Uh, um, we were a little bit um, naive, I guess, about that, or hopeful. I guess that's probably a better term. But what happened was, uh, it you know, th we couldn't get the full time spot, and uh, we got a little bit of a couple of part time days in December, but uh, one full time spot opened up in January. So I thought I would have to start far, uh, uh, part time. Uh, but I started full-time in uh, January, and um, then I th I'm like, we're set, right? I can do this full-time job. I'm making money again. 
Uh, we uh, we, uh, we have to pay for daycare, which we were paying for. And then uh, it turns out we got uh, a subsidy from the city of Hamilton because we applied for that in August as well. And uh, the thing about taking um, some time off of work is that uh, you don't make any money. Uh, and uh, being a student, you don't make any money either. So on paper, on the tax return, uh, we are very, very, very low income. So we qualified for full subsidy for daycare, which is awesome. Um, and this is what it's for, right? There are times in your life when you can take a break uh, or when you might have to take a break, like being a student. And no student uh, should have to pay $27,000 for tuition uh, every year from medical school, which I think is low, actually, <laughs> um, and uh, in Canada, and then if you had to do uh, international school, it's it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and also have your cost of living with no income um, and no time to work because, like I just told you about medical school, and like she's working on weekends right now. So there's no time to make money during medical school, and it costs more, and so throw daycare on top of that uh, that's not fair so uh, it makes sense that a student and uh, someone who is um, not actually working and making money should qualify for a subsidy um, and you know, we paid lots of taxes over the years and so this is this all makes sense is how it should work right um, and uh, you know if I was directly taking it away this subsidy from somebody else then then fine I, w I we could have that negotiation but you know, I'm sure we're going to be able to pay uh, back into the system uh, or if we haven't already paid into it, um, more, more than we're taking from it. And uh, since I'm making money this year, obviously our subsidy is going to go down and it'll just keep going down uh, until uh, we don't have a subsidy anymore. And that's how subsidies should work. What uh, bothers me is that I talk to people all the time who should be in the system and be subsidized and they're not. And so we need to talk about subsidies so much more. Like if you can get free daycare or, or reduced cost daycare, you should be applying for this. The fact that uh, um, only the people that uh, don't necessarily need, uh, if you want to call them rebates or discounts, are the ones that get it. You know, it's like you get f a free meal if you, if you spend a lot of money somewhere. Like that kind of thing. It shouldn't be just people who can uh, afford things or know how to work the system who get the free things. So those of us who do know uh, how the system works need to talk about it more and tell people. Uh, an example of that is uh, the RDSP, the Registered Disability Savings Plan. So many people are getting the disability tax credit um, and because they're, you know, uh, uh, technically and on paper disabled because you have to fill out a form and the doctor has to say that your life has been significantly affected by the disability that you're stating on the on the page so it's not like it's uh, really straightforward especially if it's more mental than physical um, so this has to be something that you qualify for but once you do qualify for the disability tax credit you qualify for the registered disability savings plan and this has an amazing matching uh, up like an example is you put in $1,500 um, in a year and you're going to get 3500 from the government. Um, so you put in fifteen and you get 5000 Just That's it. And so it's a fantastic incentive for people who are disabled uh, to be able to save um, by not putting in that much. And uh, you can get, um, I think it's like 70000 over time. If you start when you're younger... 
and it goes till 49, you can get that 3,500 free from the government uh, for 20 years. And so you can get $70,000 in, call it grants or matches, the government. And this is a huge bonus, and nobody talks about this. Um, I mean, maybe they do. I just don't hear it. I don't see it posted all the time. I think uh, the uh, big Cajun man, um, who is uh, um, another personal finance blogger, um, and I'll try to post a link for that um, in the show notes as well if I can find it. Um, I think, I believe his son uh, gets a disability tax credit, so he talks about that a bit. And um, so I will post that. Um, but it should be in like on everybody's top of mind, just like what TFSA, RESP, RRSP, RDSP should be in the mix uh, when we talk about this because uh, it affects a lot of Canadians. So let's keep talking about that stuff. Um, so now I have no idea uh, how I got onto that or where I came from, but I think it's, it's it has to do with subsidies. There we go. I see how I came back to that, and it, it didn't take very long. I just had to think. So subsidies are important to look into. So we were lucky. We got uh, daycare subsidy in February. Yeah, this is 2020, so we're you know th we're close to in real time right now. It's not like I'm talking about years ago, right? The baby's only 18 months old, so we got subsidy, and that was great. Uh, it's not retroactive. We we still had to have the money to pay for daycare. That's the thing, right? You you can't sign up for something just hoping you're going to get the subsidy. And what I don't know what people would do and uh, put it on the credit card. That sounds terrible. So don't do that. So y that's probably why a lot of people don't get daycare because it is expensive. I've, it costs us about $1,200 a month uh, to uh, set it all up, give or take, however many days there are and uh, how many hours in the day that you need the baby and uh, in daycare and what area you live in. It's more expensive in Toronto. Hamilton is a little bit less. It's probably uh, not so bad in the rural community if it's just, you know, you find somebody who you trust and can watch the baby. Maybe you could even get daycare for free if or, or, or close to free i guess if you have family or or anybody who's close and that's what i i know a few people who do that and that's you know you, that's a very fortunate thing to be able to do and, and it's not so different from the subsidy that that we have and that um you know i just drive the baby uh up to the mountain uh we're in the valley part of the hamilton so i drive him up to the top of the mountain which uh, he seems to enjoy uh going up the mountain every day now and um, you know, leave them with really qualified people, and and we uh, we picked this daycare because um, we met um, the owner um, at a uh, meditation uh, retreat uh, when we went. Uh, when we were again, another thing that we can't do, especially together. Uh, we haven't been uh, away uh, for a weekend together <laughs> uh, on any kind of retreat. In a while, so you know, the to to bring it back to the th some of the things that uh, um, you just can't do. Um, now, the somebody could watch the baby, um, but then that brings us to the COVID situation. So we're uh, in COVID now, and where we were, you know, we might have been able to say, oh, you know, let's talk to our our next door neighbor again to see if uh, you know she can watch the baby sometimes. Maybe we can have a a dinner, a night out. And because uh, we were looking into that and she's she's retired and she's really interested in, in uh, you know, just uh, taking Henry for a night here and there because um, that's what she likes Henry. Right. 
and um, she's willing to do that, okay, we'll consider that, right? Because that might be nice. And she's right next door, so it's no big deal. Well, now it, it, all of those things are out the window. It's not. Uh, it's not just that simple, right? Oh, you know, let's call Lynn up and and uh, and and say, okay, let's do that, and we'll uh, we'll try Henry out in in her house, so that maybe we can just drop uh, him off there, uh, or maybe she can come to our house. Well, now there's this uh, whole thing about uh, uh, contaminating everyone, right? Uh, we don't want to infect somebody. Um, by well, we don't know uh, uh, what their bubble is. They don't know what our bubble is of people. Um, the it's happening in Flor in um, Texas right now, where uh, the, the apparently four to five people are, are are exposed because nobody's bubbling, or uh, they don't. You know, they're trying in small groups, but then those small groups go hang out with other small groups. So we're seeing a lot of examples in the U.S. right now of how. Uh, easily it can spread when uh, you just basically flaunt social distancing and decide that the virus, uh, you're done with it. So th we were thinking about all this stuff uh, in the last four months as we were going along. And uh, so the options that we had before for daycare are very limited. Even grandparents, it's not safe. Uh, now that uh, Kayla's back in the hospital, of course, she's not working with COVID patients. Or anything like that, and we have we actually have no active cases in Hamilton, so it's a in the hospital, so it's a actually a relatively safe. Doesn't mean we're not taking all the precautions that we should be taking, but the, the risk is lower than if there she was in a hospital every day that was uh, packed with people uh, on ventilators, uh, whether she was working with them or not. So it's a bit of a different situation with kids in COVID, and again, I'm not going to say that I know what it's like with multiple kids. But just with my kid, um, the way that it went down was uh, they uh, let all of the uh, clinical medical students out of the hospital um, in the middle of March, on basically the same day that Henry got sent home from daycare. Um, so the hospitals in Hamilton, and I believe across Canada, made the decision that um, they wouldn't keep medical students on unless it was uh, you know necessary um, and so they deemed it wasn't necessary and it was uh, putting them at risk and they're not getting paid and and uh, so they just made that call they could have probably decided to keep them on if they needed uh, the extra uh, uh, labor because um, they would definitely have learned a lot uh, being in the situation but also put them uh, at risk and then what then we don't have any future doctors right so Somebody made that call, and um, Kayla got sent home. And then uh, probably a month later, uh, she started up uh, online medical school, um, which was not uh, a walk in the park. Uh, it was something that she was able to do while still uh, looking after Henry during the day while I was uh, doing my work. And the thing about my job is that I'm meeting with people um, in individual counseling sessions all day. So it's not, I can't, it's not a flexible thing where I can like, okay, I'll take the baby, then you take the baby. Um, I have to be there all day, nine to five. Um, and so that, you know, that wasn't great, but Kayla was able to make it work. Uh, I'm not going to say that it wasn't frustrating at times uh, for her, but um, I appreciate that she was able to be a little more flexible than I was. Uh, and then I was able to maintain the paycheck that we're uh, needing during this time. 
Um, and a lot of parents have been going through this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of parents do have, uh, uh, you know, as I used to, uh, project-based work, nothing that is like meetings all day, which are scheduled and, and important for you to not have anybody uh, or baby in your arms while you're, <laughs> while you're helping someone. Um, but if it was just working on, I used to work on reports and spreadsheets. That's something that, that I could have been, uh, you know, sort of scheduling around, okay, uh, I'll take the baby for an hour and then I'll work for an hour and then we can sort of split up the day. So a lot of parents have that. Also, a lot of parents aren't in meetings so they could just have the baby there, either in their arms or if they have older kids, the kids can just be in the room uh, playing. I know even now, Henry can be in the room uh, playing on the floor and I can do things, but at any moment, um, he might need something or he might scream or he might just be hungry and and there's so many things that can interrupt. Um, just right now, he's rolling around. Uh, it's uh, it's closer to six, and he's rolling around, and he could wake up um, at any time. Um, and you know, he might if he's just a little bit grumbly, I'll leave him leave him be. But if he's uh, he's yelling out, um, I'm gonna have to go grab him so that uh, it doesn't bother his mom who is uh, sleeping right now. And she needs to sleep because she has to go <laughs> and see patients today. And as much as she's a medical student, she is assigned uh, six, seven, eight, nine patients uh, to see in the day during uh, her time in internal medicine. Um, and it's important that she is alert. Uh, medical students, um, you know, they, and at this stage, they get a lot of responsibility and that they're working on a team, and this team uh, of doctors and residents, um, they rely on the students to be um, you know, competent and uh, rested as much as they can be. So it's not like she just gotta go and study for a couple of hours, right? Not to diminish the my schooling or anybody else who uh, is in a, a university program where you uh, study for an exam and then you take an exam. This is not even close to the same. I don't even, you know, this is closer if you were to compare it to something like a co-op program where you go and work uh, and get credit for that and maybe you get a, a stipend for that. That's the closest thing. But really, this is a very unique thing where you're going and you're working directly with patients. Um, this is not something that uh, it can be compared to a regular university. So um, th that's is always taken priority. This is a uh, you know a very important uh, part of our life uh, that uh, uh, Kayla is able to dedicate um, her time to uh, completing medical school, and uh, these are the decisions that we have to make, right? So she's doing that, and um, she's she did the online part, and then they were starting to say, okay, July sixth or the beginning of July is when we're gonna go back in the clinical setting. Uh, you know, everyone's taken some time to, well, first of all, we got through the uh, first bit of the of the wave and, and made sure that everybody was all set up in hospitals for uh, if there was any COVID outbreaks, so they felt more ready and they were able to come up with the rules for, uh, you know, uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, and uh, for uh, you know, distancing and how the whole procedure would work. And in this case, it's, uh, you know, she works uh, some days and then some nights and then has a couple of days off in the middle. So that it's kind of nice uh, for her to be able to uh, just have some days off um, uh, in there. Um, 
but the whole thing is if Henry wasn't going back to daycare, this is impossible. So the two options uh, were if daycare is not ready or we don't feel that daycare is uh, a good place or if daycare is um, not even available to us. Like the, you can't have as many kids in daycare b uh, now as you did before. Everything is different. Uh, before, when he was in daycare, I thought, okay, we're all set, right? Um, he's in daycare. I, I got my time to work. I can make money. He's in daycare. Kayla's in school. All good. Um, but in the first like week or two, um, he got he was sick, and uh, he had a temperature, and they wouldn't take him. And I'm thinking, well, who like what is daycare for, <laughs> if not to take my son and and when he's sick and take care of him? But there's other kids to worry about, and this is before COVID, so I'm staying home now. I have to reschedule the appointments that I have. I, you know, I'm taking a sick day, which are limited, uh, and you know, not not limited that much, but you know, it's like there's only a certain amount in a year before you have to take unpaid days or take your vacation days. Uh, just how it works in most companies. And so I realized right then that, well, this is still unpredictable. It's, it's not something I can count on. So right now, like uh, as I'm waiting for him to wake up and I don't know how long I'm going to be able to continue to ramble like this. And thank you for whoever's still listening. Uh, the, uh, the work situation is I don't know if I'm going to have to take a day off tomorrow. And then it happened a couple of weeks later in January, I believe the, a water main broke in the daycare. That wasn't even a sick thing. I got there and she's like, we have no water. Uh, you have to go home. I'm like, all right, great. Um, so I don't know. That was just, I was a bit down about all that because I, this is not something that I anticipated that um, I would be at the whim of, uh, of sickness or uh, incidents. But, you know, the water main thing, of course, that happens. It just happens. Like, who's going to predict that, right? And, and I guess uh, Henry's going to have a temperature, and there's nobody else that can take care of him but me. Um, now, Kayla could have at some points. It's much, much harder to reschedule a uh, day of medical school because, er because in this three-year program, every day is precious. So she could have done it uh, uh, if we, you know, if I was, like, taking so many sick days, um, so we would have got to that point. We never had to get there, which is good because by February, I think I had one more maybe, and then it like, kind of leveled out. And then um, then everything shut down in the middle of March. So he was out of daycare, but um, they kind of, it's, it's almost like they timed this perfectly. I don't think they could have, but you know, if, if they're going to send people back to work and, and back into school, uh, then daycare opening makes sense. Um, and we got our spot back. Um, not that, that spot because he was an infant and now he's a toddler, which is nice. So they only, they, they didn't have the infant program open up yet, but on the same day, Kayla went back to, uh, uh the hospital, uh, he went back into daycare and, um, it's a bit different. You know, we have to wear masks and drop him off at the front and he gets a, a temperature gun pointed at his head every day. And uh, there's less kids, and it's the same people all the time. And you just got to hope that everyone's taken care. Um, so far, so good. It's been two weeks now. Uh, but who knows? That's the thing about uh, COVID. It's, uh, who knows? Nobody knows anything. 
uh, we're learning things constantly all the time. It's airborne now, or that's what the CDC is saying, right? So it's like, what, does that mean I'm, I'm walking into any place and there could be a big cloud of COVID waiting for me? If so, that makes sense that we should all wear masks indoors. Sure, right? So and that's, I think, that just passed yesterday. All, ma all indoor uh, places in Hamilton, uh, you got to wear a mask. And that's fine. I'm good with that. I don't have a problem with masks. Um, I have a problem with uh, uh, getting COVID and having lung damage for the rest of my life, if not dying. You know, as everyone likes to say, who is apparently anti-mask and anti-fact um, in reality, is that, oh, you're not likely to die. It's just old people or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, even if that's true. Um, first of all, why are you okay with people dying? Why are you okay with old people dying only? Like they're somehow expendable and not uh, people with the most wisdom and, and uh, experience to share. Uh, <laughs> like, why do people act like old people are expendable? I just don't understand that. May I don't, maybe I'm more sensitive as I'm getting older to that. But it's not true. Old people are valuable as anyone else. Uh, and people with disabilities are, are valuable too. Like, I just don't, l I, I really don't like this argument that, uh, oh, only old people and compromised people are uh, at, at risk. Uh, yeah, uh, they're people. These are people who live in our lives and all the time. And, and a lot of people are compromised that you don't even realize. Invisible disabilities exist all over the place. But the thing is, uh, dying is not the only thing that happens with COVID. They're finding things every day. Every day they're finding new uh, things. Um, a really interesting quote uh, I think Dr. Fauci in the, uh, the U.S. put up is that, you know, we know a lot about how uh, diseases and viruses and that kind of thing work because we've had lots of time to study them. And they, asbestos is a good example. We didn't know it hurt people, and then we found out later it did because it built up over time. We have no runway at all for, for this coronavirus. For COVID-19, we have very, very little time to see the effects of it. So somebody has it, and then uh, they're good, and then apparently six weeks later, it comes back, and they're, 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 they're feeling terrible again. And then some people have this really bad respiratory damage, and some people don't. And, and so you're, it's like basically this whole thing of Russian roulette, right? You are, if you are okay with getting COVID because you think you're going to be fine and you're not going to die and you'll be able to survive and you're strong, fine, you might be, uh, but you also might not be. Uh, maybe there's a very low likelihood you're going to die, but you're going to probably have something, right? If you don't have any, uh, uh, like any results, any uh, side effects after going through this, I feel like you're definitely one of the lucky ones, but that happens with anything. You can go through a lot of things and you don't have any uh, ill effects from it, but that's usually rare. So the whole thing is don't you don't want to get this thing to find out. Why is uh, why is this rhetoric uh, being passed around in the world about let's just get it and get it done with? It's it's really a, a concept based on misunderstanding, and this whole idea of being cautious is being um, uh, uh, put forth by people uh, as bad. Like, uh, like caution is bad. You know, taking a, a, a bit of a conservative approach is somehow bad in this case because, oh, you're, you're being too, you're playing it too safe where right? we got to reopen the economy. Uh, it's fine. Like, you can make tons of arguments about this, but um, we're, we're, I guess we're going to just see, see how it goes. Um, we we want to balance uh, the reopening and the being cautious. 
and I feel like we're doing pretty okay in Ontario, um, I, th- I think a good time to reopen is when you have zero active cases. That's pretty great, right? doesn't mean there aren't cases floating around in people's houses and, and things like that and, and that people don't have it. But, hey, if you were going to pick a time, zero active cases sounds good. Um, how about not, uh, you know, a thousand people dying a day like in the U.S.? So, like, <laughs> what makes more sense? It just A lot of this just seems really uh, common sense stuff to me. Um, but I have always been on the side of a little more anxiety towards, um, you know, taking this kind of risk. I stopped taking risks a long time ago when I stopped gambling. And it's very important to me to not take uh, uh, unnecessary risks because of how they got me into trouble in the past. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with uh, staying at home as long as I need to. Mm. So the kids in daycare... And w- it's a little bit more uh, normal uh, now. It's actually a bit weird um, to be able to just sort of do whatever I want on my lunch, um, have lunch, um, or sit, you know, maybe even do something uh, <laughs> that I planned because there's no one that is going to interrupt me. Uh, it's a bit of a foreign concept, of course, uh, uh, as I keep saying, uh, people with more than uh, uh, one child. Um, can probably relate to this even a lot more. To have time to yourself is uh, odd, and to have time where you can basically do whatever you want. Like, even right now, even though he's sleeping, I can't leave the house, um, right? It's not like I can I can go and uh, go drive Uber right now, as, as I used to do. I can't do that kind of stuff, right? I can sort of feel free, like he's not going to wake up, uh, or he could wake up at any moment now because it's past six o'clock. But you know, you you don't have that freedom anymore. You know, when he goes to sleep uh, tonight, I am free, very likely to do whatever I like. But I'm looking at the monitor and I'm making sure that he's okay. And I can't leave the house. So if Kayla's doing a 24-hour shift, I can't. You know, I can't make plans like that. Now I'm not leaving the house during COVID anyway, so it's not a big deal. But it's just to, to remind uh, you listening that the, the these are the limits of caring for another person. And um, during COVID, it's a little bit different. Uh, of course, daycare doesn't exist on the weekends. So if you don't have a, uh, it exists, but not in this kind of situation. And um, on top of that, we're not in a position where uh, we can have daycare and aftercare and somebody that looks from uh, the weekend. Uh, that that takes that's too much risk i think i think having him in one cohort of people you know six kids or however many it is i think it's six uh, they don't let me inside so i'd have to uh, read the papers again i never get to to see the kids um but and and a couple of teachers a couple of uh, um early childhood educators they um that seems okay to me it, it's kind of what i have to do right now i don't have much of a choice the alternative would be to take off work. And if I don't have to do that, I won't. Uh, and balancing the safety with uh, the responsibility and the, the, the desire to uh, have income at this point. Because, you know, I can take time off work, but not for a long period of time. And also, um, I, I thought about, should I just wait until Henry's a bit older and then start work then? But... The opportunity might not be around then, and the opportunity to do 
this kind of valuable work uh, being an insolvency counselor it came up and I can fit it in and uh, and this is uh, this is what we're doing now and this is how uh, being a parent uh, is for me uh, during COVID um, so even though he's in daycare and we have you know I have my lunch back and I have my uh, sort of days um, uh, if Kayla's working if Kayla's in in uh, the hospital I'm taking him to daycare I'm picking him up I'm you know doing all the things before and after work and then on the weekends like today and yesterday where Kayla's uh, on shift in the hospital that's all me so I get to be the uh, stay-at-home dad again and uh, get that experience which I think everyone should right um, as much as you can uh, try to share the parenting it's not something that should always fall on the mother even though there are s like i said there are specific things that the mother um has to do like breastfeeding and and uh there are just things that are that mothers are generally more equipped uh either physically or just better at or there's a lot of instincts there but uh, uh i you know i felt like i could learn uh, these things even though i didn't carry the child and and I didn't feel, you know, the connection that the mother feels. Uh, it's something that you can build and also that you should um, try because it's important. To, uh, there's two parents. When there's two parents, the two parents should be involved. I, I see so many people um, you know, in, my, in my work that are single parents. And uh, life costs too much to be a single parent. It just that uh, there's not enough money coming in to be able to take care of a child um and to work by yourself I, it's uh i don't know that i think society is built uh, built that way that there's they assume there's two parents so there's support support should be coming in and a lot of people don't get the support and that's really frustrating too um so a shout out to single parents out there it's a tough tough world especially if you have more than one or more than two uh, it's not easy. It's not easy for any parents. Um, this is just a, a bit of a taste of my personal experience, and, and uh, there's a, a whole lot of privilege in there um, that I have. So take away my privilege and apply that, uh, and then take away a parent, and you're dealing with a really tough situation. Every day is a grind for single parents, um, or they have to just really have a good network of people um, but, you know, I'm going to, uh, in the future, definitely uh, have some more uh, single parents on and, and talk about that. You know, now that parenting is more of a thing for me, I, I can relate a little bit anyway. I can understand and try to understand. Um, so, you know, baby's not up yet, but I think we're good. I think we're good for today. Kind of, uh, uh, I just wanted to give you a taste today of, uh, of uh, my experience and uh, a few of the things that uh, you go through when you decide to bring another uh, life into the world uh, for anyone listening who's deciding on that or maybe you've done that and you can relate um so yeah definitely uh, check out uh the uh last the most recent episode i guess i think it was in february or march of the because money uh podcast because money is uh, sandy martin and john robertson and chris ends um this episode anyway i think kate smalley is in it uh, at times too and other people that i can't remember uh, but they have a, a Welcome to Parenthood uh, episode. I'll put, put a link to that. That's a good one. The one I mentioned about 
um, um, maternity benefits and just the cost of uh, having kids and what it's like uh, with Julie Wildman, one of our licensed insolvency trustees, who also happens to be uh, Ted Michaelos' sister. Um, and uh, also a, a super uh, qualified, intelligent uh, person and fantastic. Uh, she's making uh, cakes as a hobby. Uh, I see it on Twitter. It's like, so you got you have like uh, 700 credentials at the end of your name and you can make uh, fantastic cakes and have two kids. Like a super, super person here. Um, so yeah, Julie's a, a very, uh, very good guest to listen to. I really enjoyed the episode yesterday that I listened to and it was just I think it just came out yesterday so and then there's a bunch of other episodes about parenting uh, listen to the Dear Ruby podcast where I believe are going to have Shannon Lee Simmons on with us uh, today so if you're listening to this look for Dear Ruby I'll, I'll I mean I just I'll post a link but um, if you go and check out my um, social media you'll probably see it or uh, or the my uh, co-host uh, uh, Rubina Rubina Ahmed Haq uh, check out her stuff too and so until uh, next week where uh, again uh, this is a, a week by week thing i don't know who the guest is uh, it could be me again uh, but i think i'm gonna have a guest next week um, i don't know who it is quite yet but we'll find out and we'll just keep talking about uh, life and uh, what it's like in covid and uh, with money and and other things and i'll see you then